0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed with home security. There's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune. You might be smoking a joint in the back of your house. Who knows what this guy's doing? He's not showering, that's for sure. Or there's a second way, actually. There's a better way. There's simply safe. Simply safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection. Two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. It's a very competitive award, and they've won it twice. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras, doorbell alert. If anybody's approaching your house, boom, you can figure that out. Entry, motion, glass break sensors, all kinds of stuff, man. Nobody's getting in there. And the best part is, it's barely noticeable. What's truly remarkable is you can set this system up all by yourself. Literally anyone can do it. It takes half an hour to an hour tops. and There's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24 seven. It's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. It's why the verge calls simply safe. And I quote here, the best home security system. So, Get your butt to simplysafe.com slash team today, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team.
1: Sounds of marching boots resonate with the approach of a national election. Controversy permeating a heated dialogue as we pensively await the results. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is March 8th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And that election to which I refer is not the national presidential election. That is a player vote on the collective bargaining agreement. It is upon us. So Thursday, right, is when they make their decision? Noon on Thursday, March 12th, days no, really. away from the results. So
0: do you have Do you have any feelings on what they're going to end up doing, if it's going to get they're ratified gonna, or not? They've been playing it pretty I, close
1: I, to the, best the past few days. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're going to approve it. Yeah, right. I think there is a vocal minority of millionaires who oppose it for reasons I'm not quite clear about. But um, I think everybody, some of the other tweets that I've seen from lesser paid players indicate they're going to approve this. Nobody wants to sit out, lose game checks.
0: Right. Yeah. Your roster spot isn't guaranteed when you're in that younger time. And, and even if it is like, look at someone like Deontay Johnson, who's a third round rookie, you know, potentially on the verge of breaking out and being a star player, or at least a really good player. He's in his absolute athlete. Let it prime right now. He can't have something interrupting that. So it's interesting. You know what it also makes me think of? You're saying there's like a small amount of super millionaires, some of these players who are coming out and talking about this. I'll be the first one to admit the CBA and the rules and the voting. Well, not really the voting, but the CBA is a little intimidating for me. And being able to understand it comprehensively uh, can be a little tricky. And I think that sometimes in the media, we dumb it down and just put it down to a few uh, key points. Right. But I was listening to a podcast earlier of some comedians who I love and they're super smart people. As many of the, like the great upper echelon comedians are, they're so good at, um, you know, diagnosing situations in society and then talking about them in a funny way. But the reason why it's funny is because it relates to you. Right. But they started talking about the difference between pro football players, pro basketball players and pro soccer players, and having an argument about who's really the best athletes. And I, I almost actually shot myself in the face because the argument was so dumb. The, the guy, they were speaking with such confidence. And the reason why I like set this up by saying they're comedians and they're successful guys is because they're so good at talking and they're so convincing. But then when they got into an avenue that I spend a lot of time on, when you're talking about like pro athletes, you kind of realize like, wow, they sound uh, really confident about these opinions and they don't know anything what they're talking about. They know as much as like casual fans who get their information from like Jim Nance during a football broadcast know about. They know about players who were good two years ago or, or this or that, just simple kind of things. And it got me thinking about, are some of those millionaire NFL players you're talking about, do they maybe fall in the same category? It's like, you might be talking a good game, but how much are you paying attention to the CBA except for the one week before they vote on it?
1: Even if they read the CBA, I'm looking at it now. I'm actually on the last page, page 439. There is no way to understand this. I'm flipping through the sections, and yeah, there's a lot you can understand, and some of which we're going to go over. But you don't understand the implications of restricted free agency, unrestricted free agency, and how all those, how the tags and all these things work together. If you don't understand the background and the history, this thing is inscrutable. So they've got to rely on their legal representatives to interpret it for them. And I think it's like everything else in the news. You find a soundbite, you find a tidbit yep. and you launch off of that. And you're often wrong because as you've pointed out, and that's what this show is about, we need to talk about the nuances sort of the, the, the milieu, milieu, is that the right word or the context? Yeah, I nice. I think. Within which all these things are happening. And this thing is unbelievable. I've been reading through it and uh, just marking out the places I just can't understand because it's, it's so full of legalese.
0: Well, you're talking about finding a soundbite and latching onto that and using that as the crux of your argument or whatever, right? It's like what happens if a casual fan wants to just argue Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. And they'll ask him, why is he the best quarterback? Well, because he's won the most Super Bowls, right? And say, well, you know, he he played poorly in this Super Bowl and this Super Bowl. And if you look at his playoff numbers, they're actually not as great. If we're just using objective, you know, comparisons, you know, that his best Super Bowl, they lost when he threw for 500 yards against the Eagles. Was that his fault? No. But if they won, it would be his, his doing that they won. Long story short, all I'm saying is, like, the instant you try to introduce logic into the equation or use their own logic, oh, well, if he's the best, then, you know... Long story short, you know what I'm trying to say is like people just find the one little piece of information. He's got the most Super Bowls and they go off on that. And when I was listening to these comedians that I love, I thought about it through the lens of like politics, where you have to be careful getting your information about politics because people can sound really confident and know exactly what they're talking about when really their breadth of knowledge is is on a very specific subject that they might be passionate about and they've dug into, but they don't really consider the nuances or the uh, the other implications of um, things outside of that one main point that they've actually studied. So you got to be careful with people when they speak well and confidently, that doesn't necessarily know, mean that they know what they're talking about. And I just find it hard to believe, not to pick out somebody, but like, is Russell Wilson really like sitting down in his office? Like, I really, I got to go over page 340 again. Or is he like, on a boat with Sierra finally taking a a week off from getting absolutely destroyed by the greatest athletes that the world has ever seen. And he's going to go have a damn margarita or whatever. Yeah. I think that's probably more likely. I don't know how much these guys are looking into the CBA and how much you could really
1: understand the nuances of it without being a lawyer. Well, there are some facts we can, we can examine that are, are pretty straightforward and we have been talking about them. First of all, there's a proposal to expand, expand the playoff by two teams. We talked about that last right. week. And they are adding a 17th game. The soundbites. Uh, speaking of a soundbite, this is Jeremy Fowler sent out a tweet saying, a number of NFL owners are hoping the current CBA pr- proposal does not pass next week because they believe they can negotiate a better deal next year and potentially push for an 18-game season. Right. And we're talking about Jeremy Fowler. I mean, he he probably has better sources. Well, he clearly has better sources than do we. But we've seen a number of times where he's cried wolf and it's been wrong. But it fascinates me that if that is true, that the owners keep pushing for this 18-game season when there's so many players vociferously against 17, expanding even one game, let alone two games. Can you imagine? And they just seemingly don't care. Or at least uh, several of them don't care if this tweet is to be believed.
0: Right. And and Jeremy does have good sources. You know, that's what happens when you work at ESPN. And of course we mean like, you know, sometimes if he's crying wolf, sometimes it's because sources are planting information in him just so that he can get the information out and it changes the tide of conversation or whatever. And he is probably getting good information. Just what is that information like into why are people giving it to him? You know, sometimes it's for a different reason, but The 17-game season, as we said from the beginning, has always been in search of an 18-game season. It was never supposed to be 17. It's just supposed to be a stepladder. They were on their way to going to 18 games before all the concussion stuff happened a few years ago when the concussion movie came out. And that's when they started tabling the discussion of um, taking some of the preseason games away and adding extra games and now that there's been a few years ever since that concussion stuff, it's dying down. They they're making claims that the game is safer than ever. Just hilarious. Cause it's like, yeah, maybe uh, in some of the rules you've made, but you also have to remember the athletes are a hundred times better every decade than the decade they were before. So even if you think that it's safer, these guys are running faster diving harder than they used to. And now sure you've made the game safer and you're going to add games on. So you're going to take away the progress you just made. It's like what I try to say when somebody, let's say you go out for burgers. Like one night you got that, that friend who's going out for burgers and fries and beers on Friday night. He says, Oh, it's okay. Like, uh, you know, we'll have a salad tomorrow night instead. We'll have the burgers tonight. It's like, dude, you already ate the burger. That's not how it works. It doesn't cancel out that way, especially if you're not working out the next day. And I'm not saying don't eat burgers because I had one last night. It was brilliant. But it's like, okay, yeah, you made progress to make the game safer. And now you're making progress to make the game less safe.
1: Well, they are requiring them to have stronger bones and bigger muscles. That is true. The players' share of league revenue will increase from 47% to 48%. Doesn't sound like a lot but when you consider that the media package right. could go from 5 billion to 10 billion it's a lot there's also something interesting here there's something called a media kicker if the league's tv revenues increase by 60% the players share of revenue will go up from 48 to 40, half, 48 and a half again seems like a small percentage increase but it's a significant number of dollars which makes we're going to talk about uh the Steelers CBA or um salary situation momentarily, but right. mm-hmm. that increase in total revenues will take a lot of pressure off of the Steelers.
0: So you and I have been saying, it seems like a lot of players are against the 17 and 18 game seasons. They haven't done a poll, have they? Because is this another case of it's like, yeah, some of the old, yeah, Ramon doesn't want to play 18 games, but Deontay will take all the money he can get. You know, is this a thing? Do we wonder if that's really the opinion of the players? Cause there are, there have been people like Phil Sims since day one, has been saying like, oh, the players are going to take it. Of course, if there's more money, the players will play 18 games, I'm telling you. And there's been a faction of people, especially former players, who are insinuating that. It just sometimes seems like the number of players and former players who are speaking out against 18 games, maybe they're just louder. And I do wonder if it's like, "Uh, you guys might want to check your sources because all the guys in years one through four need to cash in as much as they absolutely can. So yeah, they'll play extra
1: games. What, What do you think? Yes, I said that last week. I, yeah. I, I said it at the beginning of this podcast. I, I am certain that this, this uh, agreement is going to be ratified by the players. I would probably f- be
0: fine with it if Hold I on were in my second. first couple I gotta years. i to log
1: on to my bookie before I lose my nerve.
0: Do it. It's time. Yeah, it seems like it's going to. There's just so much money on the table this year with the tv contracts and everything like that and especially since they know that the situation might change with the presidential election and some of the ratings going down like it did the last time like we said before you can't totally make that correlation but it's hard to think that there's going to be a point in the next couple years where there's more money on the table there could still be a lot of money but this might be the peak of the amount of um you know revenue that's going to be flowing through so the players might just need to strike while the iron's hot because you're never gonna beat the
1: owners they own the business interestingly was it 18 months ago we were talking about the death of football because of CTE right. and parents yeah. holding their kids back and now TV ratings have never been higher or at least they're 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 ascending to their highest uh to their highest point
0: yeah the NFL is still just far and, it's like more popular than the NBA in the MLB combined. I mean, it's just far and away the most popular sport. And I do think, uh, you know, we've had the conversation already about, do you like 17 or 18 games? Is this going to water down the sport? And I do tend to think it waters it down a little bit, but honestly, if you're going from 16 to 18, that's not like going from 16 to 25, which would dramatically change the way football is played. People couldn't play 25 game season. So yeah, maybe it is negligible. It's annoying that they're, uh, that they're adding these two extra games, especially when you look at the Steelers' killer B teams, which had a window of Super Bowl runs. Like about four out of the five were derailed because of star players getting injured. Which tells me, like, oh god, now you would make them play two extra games, maybe three, because there's only going to be one playoff team with the buy. Um, don't love it, but either way, that's that's neither here nor there at that at this point. I guess what we're really focused on is money that's available.
1: Beyond money, the regular season active inactive list is, is, as you know, can't exceed 53 players. However, the active list is going to increase from 46 players to 48 players, meaning all the 53 players, 48 can be activated on the weekend and you can actually increase your, your total roster by two. If you, if the two people you add above 53 are practice players. So let me mm. say that again. The limit is 53 on the active roster. but you can go to 55 if you want to attack two practice squad players on it. The practice squad will increase from 10 to 12 next year and then from 12 to 14 in 2022. So they are adding players to the roster.
0: Well, that's helpful. And, And interestingly enough, it's like I said, you know, more people are going to get injured with from 16 to 18 games, just because people get injured in every single solitary game. But Think about it, like teams like the Steelers or, well, think about like the Patriots or something like that, teams who are perennially, perennially in the playoffs, like their, game, their seasons are 18 games long already, whereas the Lions haven't played an 18-game season in 100 years, it seems like. So guys can make it through. So if you can maintain a general level of health, those extra two players will be critical. And it just seems more and more like M- Madakevich's spot is solidified. You have more room for guys like that who are like, Matt Kavich is an interesting one. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but he's like the next Matthew Slater from the Patriots where he is so dominant in special teams and so unusable on defense, but he's a critical player. I believe he leads the league in special teams, or at least is in the top like two or three since he's entered the league. And that's a kind of, maybe those are the kind of guys that will have, you'll be able to keep more easily on a roster. With the extra two spaces, like DHB was for the
1: Steelers, you know what they haven't thought of? What moving Maticevic to fullback? <gasps> I love it. Hey, so okay. some other other interesting changes in the contract. Minimum salary is up twenty percent. So rookies will who are make, now making five ten will move oh, up yeah, to six ten. Yeah, they're 6-10. voting this through. Yeah, they're voting this through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the graph. That's the that's the populist payoff. <laughs> There's something called the this is really interesting. It's called the veteran salary benefit. And it allows a team to sign up to two of its own players and can and allows them to exclude $1.25 million of their player from the salary cap. And that might not I mean, it's very interesting, right? You can you actually can get it about hmm. well, you can get two and a half million dollars over your cap for two of your veterans. You can't bring somebody else from another team on and get that exclusion. Mind
0: reading, I see. I got the outline right over here. Would you mind reading that out loud, that veteran salary benefit? Cause I guess there's 1.25 million of both of these players.
1: So if a player is making 5 million of veterans making $5 million, uh-huh. you can actually pay him 6.25 next year and only 5 million to counts against the cap. And you can do that twice for two different players, I should say.
0: Provided they have at least four years of service time. I, I assume that means with, with the team that they're on, or no, maybe not. Maybe just veteran in general.
1: I didn't read the details, but um, I didn't read the details about whether the four years has to be on that team. Sure. Or That's in here nor there. I was getting in the weeds. So we talked about this too. They're going to eliminate suspensions for positive marijuana tests, and the tests will be limited to 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. on February <laughs> 29th. Yeah. Every fourth year. So. <laughs> And they figure if you can't pass that test, you really shouldn't be walking around.
0: Now, here's the question. I wish Martavis was still in the league so we could go to my bookie and bet the over-under. Would Martavis still get
1: suspended every year, even if those were the parameters? If he could squeeze out a February 29th every year. The other thing is the interesting thing is they're increasing punishment for DUIs to a three-game suspension. So getting serious about the...
0: So they're, they're... They're um, connecting themselves with reality. I guess that's what this is, right? Catching up with the time, the the marijuana, instead of getting their players more and more addicted to opioids, the number one drug crisis in America, they're going to let them smoke some marijuana and not crash into anybody and kill them. And for the people who are out there driving around, uh, endangering their own lives and other people's lives, they're going to put a punishment on that. That feels like a good idea to me.
1: The New Deal also provides a neutral arbitrator for figuring out some of these discipline cases. Taking uh, Roger Goodell out of the—he's not going to be entirely out. I think he gets final say, but mm-hmm. these things will be essentially tried in front of an, a neutral party. Well, makes sense. That does make sense because he. Why would you accept? Why would you accept the owner's representative yes. as the guy right. to uh, to arbitrate? A legal contract. I mean, these things, it's very interesting if you read this contract and if you guys get it, go to page 248, because that is where they start delineating the actual fines. And I know you're looking at the sheet, Nick. Yeah. But did you know that there's a fine for being overweight? There is. Yeah.
0: I remember the big case was Eddie Lacey, the fat guy running back for the Seahawks or for the Packers and then the Seahawks. He was the running back from Alabama, who a lot of Steelers fans were hoping the Steelers would take. Um, cause he was still available, I believe in the second round, the Steelers bypassed him for Le'Veon Bell, which worked out pretty well, but Eddie Lacey had an incredible rookie season, but he was a chunkster and he didn't, he, he wasn't nimble, like the bus in that way. He didn't have that extra gift. Right. And the Seahawks ended up signing him after the Packers cut him or, or traded him. And they had like a weight clause, like they'd give him like a hundred grand if he just wasn't 400 pounds. And, uh, I think he got the money and did nothing on the field, but yeah, the, the over, it sounds funny, but I think that's more for like, you got to make sure these, the players are in shape based on their position, except for.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, the the fine, the fine is $730 per pound and you can assess it (laughs) up to twice a week. How did they come up with that number?
0: Yeah. And I wonder how many coaches actually do that, you know, and who the hell cares
1: about $730 per month? Well, I guess that that's a, yeah, well, here's, where we, never mind. here's where I would care. Did you know that they are fined for throwing the ball into the stands? That sucks. Hate that. You know what the fine is? Yes, you do because you're looking at it. I'm looking it's at it. Two, it's another oddball number, $2,745. That at first blush with no context seems insane. I mean, baseball encourages players to throw balls into the stands. Why would they find a guy? They Find him the $200 it costs for, I'm sure, costs for their footballs. Well, first off, baseball sucks. Let's just get out of the way. Uh, second off, uh,
0: there is a solution, and I only think probably Patrick Mahomes, maybe Josh Allen, maybe Rodgers. They're the only guys who apply to this. But the way that you can get around that $2,745 fine is just by throwing it out of the stadium like a beast and that and i know josh allen tried to last year but he didn't get a good giddy up he didn't throw it from the spot that he wanted to throw it from he said that on some interviews i would love to see if somebody could throw it out of the stands but at the same time uh baseball kills infants every year i don't know if any of them have died but i know that a a a baby got hit in the head last year or whatever that was and even just going to baseball games Uh, In my youth, which of course I don't do anymore because that would mean I would have to uh, sit at a baseball game and watch it. But I even thought that was amazing. Like people, there's no way, first off, nobody can pay attention to this whole thing, even if it was more interesting. It's just long, but these things are flying like a hundred damn miles per hour off of somebody's bat. And you're trusting just the general public to be athletic enough or competent enough to not get hit in the face. It always shocked me. So I guess I do understand not letting them throw a football into the stands because it doesn't hurt like a baseball, but you could donk a little baby in the head.
1: That is the only reason I can think about this. But if, when you look at baseball, there's no time to prepare. These are, we're talking about foul balls that are coming at you at, I don't know, at, at speed. We're talking about a guy scoring a touchdown. Yeah, so everyone's you, looking at him. So you knew that happened. He faces the crowd and he launches it. I wonder if, you know, a lot of these guys just hand the football off. I wonder if that's sort of the compromise that they make. So, like, I don't want to spend. I mean, I'm still launching numbers. it. Two, th- like, three grand for me to launch it and make SportsCenter for the whole
0: week? Yeah,
1: I'm doing it. So the last little tidbit uh, I'll throw out there, they are limiting – practices up or at least training camp to 16 padded practices and they can have no more than three in a row that is significant when you consider that the previous limit was 28 padded practices well i guess that's the
0: compromise they had to make on the safety side right and and maybe that is that that i mean that's significant that's 12 less padded practices
1: It is indeed. Good math on the fly. Why
0: did you pause that? You scare me to death. Like, Oh, I've embarrassed (laughs) myself again in a math capacity, no matter how easy I will screw it up. No, that's big though. Right. I mean, that's a lot of pad practices. That kind of sucks in this age of people not tackling. And this, uh, you know what I've been saying about the 17 games and the 18 games and how you're going to see games at the end of the year, get a little bit sloppier because people are all going to be playing injured. Even if they're playing in the game, they're going to be injured. It's impossible to make it through a full NFL season. And the games at the beginning of the season, they're going to be worse because teams aren't going to want to play their guys as much in the preseason because you need to save them for later in the season. Well, this just furthers my point. Now you're practicing in pads even less. Prepare for slop fest the beginning of the year. And I don't know if that's going to help the Steelers or not because Mike Tomlin is horrific in the first couple games of the season. Benny, he's pretty bad too in the first couple of games of the season. That's when everyone freaks out, wants to say he's old, and then he throws nine touchdown passes in the first quarter of every fifth game of the year, and everyone jumps off of the freaking, you know, whatever ledge, but not, you know, not out into into the street. I mean, just back onto the roof so that they don't kill themselves. I digress, but uh, yeah, it's going to make for some sloppier football. I don't know if it's going to. Um, if it's going to help the Steelers by dragging everybody else down to their sloppy early season level, or if it's going to hurt the Steelers by just making them so unwatchable that they can't compete with anybody because at least they could out hit people because the Steelers are famous in the NFL uh, for out hitting in training camp.
1: Well, we're doing our part by in training for sloppy football, by following the XFL which we'll bring Ooh. to you on in the show. But right now I'd like to talk about Bud. Bud Dupree speaking of injury being affected by injury until his contract year so talking about what the Steelers can do to fit him onto the team next year franchise tag or not 16 million dollar franchise tag if they choose to take that option and everything we've heard says that that's going to be what they'll do and give themselves a little time to negotiate a contract in the summer
0: I'll be curious to see what they can pull off because the Le'Veon uh, Bell deal did seem really difficult. That's the last, you know, high profile guy that they had to work on signing, and then of course the details did come out later that they offered him a big chunk of change, twelve and a half million or whatever it was, which was surprising to a lot of us, thinking, oh, they wouldn't go that high, um, but they were very confident that they would be able to get Le'Veon to stay. And in retrospect, uh, it was kind of crazy that he left. You know, the the Jets. It was revealed that they'd been bidding against themselves. Like Glavion's agent kind of pulled a fast one on them and they just probably overpaid a couple million dollars that they didn't even need to do just because the agent created the rumors that the Ravens were looking for him and people were offering him money. Um, but at the end of the day, you can kind of see why the Steelers were so confident in being able to keep this guy who everybody was worried about keeping because they offered him a lot of money. And if they had kept him, who knows if that would have been the right decision? You know, they might've spent too much money on him. But what I'm trying to say is when they are confident on keeping a guy, like it usually gets done and they really value keeping those star players uh, in Pittsburgh. And I don't know if, if Bud quite, you know, he's obviously not the star that Bell was, but he really broke out this year. So who knows what they're going to be willing to offer him. And who knows uh, what the market's going to look like for Bud Dupree. And that's obviously what determines these things. There is, the, is there a New York Jets who's going to pay him even more than the Steelers would pay him? I don't know. I mean, pass rushers are such a premium, but I think the two, two of the premier pass rushers in this year's free agency are Bud and Shaq Barrett, who are weird cases because for the first four years of their careers – They weren't busts, but they definitely didn't live up to their draft stock. And then they really broke out and dominated it in that fifth year. Um, So I think if you're the Steelers, you think that fifth year is real, you know, because you saw him on a gradual ascension. And like you said, major injuries, the two prior years, I mean, he's playing with like a separated shoulder the entire year, which is kind of critical for an edge rusher, right? But if you're another team, if you're not the Steelers, if you haven't seen Bud on every single day are you going to like, it would make me nervous offering a guy who only had one good year um, that kind of money. But like I said, watching him play, it seems uh, sustainable. I just wonder if other teams will share that opinion.
1: Well, in a case of history repeating itself from two the, the last CBA was adopted in 2001. And in the transition from 2000 to 2001, the Steelers again found themselves in the salary vice they were at the top, they topped out on their salary cap. And I just wanted to review who we had to let go to make things work that year. At the top of the list was Dermont Dawson. He was making 7% of the payroll at that point. He was still uh, on the team in that time.
0: That, that's so weird to think about. You always think of him as a 90s guy. And obviously, yeah. it's only 2000 to 2001, but crazy. He,
1: he was 35 at the time. Backing that up, we had to let go of Levon Kirkland. He was the second, he was actually. Actually, he, Kirkland was the highest paid guy at eleven percent of the payroll. He was thirty two pound year.
0: middle linebacker.
1: Yeah, so they let him go, and then your they favorite, cha- Cord- Cordell. <laughs> they tra-
0: him, right, they traded the right him. To the age Bears.
1: of twenty eight. Am and I then, wrong
0: about that? I wonder. We we probably have to look. I'll look that up here. You can keep going on the list because I thought that they traded him to the Bears. I didn't think he was a free agent, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. well, he was off the roster anyway. You've cut it, and uh, your other favorite guy, Ken Graham. I who comprised 1% of the salary cap, followed by Mike Vrabel. Boo, trader. So there's a significant number of cuts they had to make to think, make things work 20 years ago. And you and I have been talking about the moves that the Steelers could possibly make. And we're 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 talking about obvious ones. Well, maybe not so obvious. Is is the big ragu, Is he gone? Well.
0: The big goo is a cockroach. Every time they say he's gone, he's back. Side note: Cordell uh, did not get traded; he was a free agent, and the Bears signed him. Um, okay. Yeah.
1: So, but bigger than that, I mean, we've talked about Ramon does not make these things work. I mean, getting rid of Ramon does not make things work. Getting rid of Vance McDonald gets you much further along that road. But we talked about that last week. What do the, the Steelers have? An empty cover to tight end. Yeah, then you're no talking. Way. Then you're then you're starting to decimate. We're talking about. Mike Hilton, right?
0: Right. Well, there's these players that we know, like, listen, you, you don't want to lose any of these guys. Of course not. This is the situation you get in when you've built a really good roster. And for people who want to talk crap about Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and for some reason hold him to the same standard as Bill Belichick. Uh, who no other coaches, you know, have been more successful than Tomlin or whatever recently, like, Oh good. You know, Pete Carroll had two years. John Harbaugh had one year. So, so did Tomlin. This is what you need to look at. Look at how many good players they have. You can't keep them all, but here's the thought process is you. Number one, you cannot release anybody that's going to put that position group into like disaster mode. Vance isn't going anywhere because they literally don't have another starting tight end on the roster. Um, the who I don't know if you can categorize him as a starting tight end. He's a free agent as well. And Gentry, Gentry, obviously not a starting tight end, but, and then side note, like we said with, with Vance, he should bounce back, man. He should, he'll play better when he's not playing with the worst QBs in the league. How well will he play? I don't know. Okay. What about big Ragu? Well, generally it's generally thought that the plan is to take Matt Filer and move him from tackle and put him at guard where he has played very well. So that does not seem like a disaster. He has played games there and he's done very well. And then I guess I'll put Chooks or Banner at right tackle. And at that point you're scared because you don't have that luxury of this steel wall of, you know, Hey, we know that for, you know, six years, it's been the big ragu next to Pouncy, next to DeCastro. Castro. So yeah, you don't have that, but you have capable starters. And with the question mark being the tackle, right? Okay, so he's someone who you might be able to let go. And then depending on what they do with Filer, who probably will sign somewhere else. But that's somewhere where it doesn't become a disaster. If Mike Hilton goes, yes, that sucks. Because right now you have a stacked secondary where the two starting corners are stars. The, the, the slot guy, Hilton, is very good. And you have a backup in Sutton who can play every position. But that's exactly the, the thing. You do have Sutton. And you do have Justin Lane, who we're all scared about, but they did invest a high draft pick in him last year. So that's another one where you're like, well, you know, Ragu and Hilton, they are a little bit more expendable than advanced McDonald just because of the depth at their particular position.
1: The scary thing is you could be making all these moves and decimating the team for the sake of one year with Bud on a franchise tag. Yeah, and that goes back to your mantra about window, Super Bowl window, Super Bowl window. I mean, that right. is that is pushing the chips in. And if you think
0: about it, was Ben have two years left, Max. So if you're going to do it, you you might as well. And I do think that that's it. And I know that that's gambling, but that's what you got to do. And the problem is Bud falls into that category of if he's gone, it's a little bit of a disaster. Now, obviously, it's not a disaster because you have maybe the best player on the team right now. T.J. Watt. Ben's the best. Uh, at the other edge rusher, but he's on the other side of the field. You know, if if Bud isn't there, Ciccolo is probably going to get cut and obviously we don't want to see him starting. We know the fan base is excited about Ola, but can you really rely on him to be a starter at this point? I don't know. That would be an even bigger gamble. Of course, I dislike the franchise tag thing because it is just probably one year and then he's gone because when you give someone the franchise tag, you've now established their sort of salary floor. And that's, you're going to pay him like a top five player at his position. TJ Watt, who's better than Bud, he's going to get paid a long-term deal as a top five player at his position. So there's no way you're going to get before both of those guys. So uh, you got to hate the franchise tag on that level. But like you said, are you going to push the chips in? There kind of is no better time than now.
1: Hey, listen to this message from our buddies at Thurston Goal. So a couple of important dates are coming up in addition to the CBA deadline, noon on Thursday the 12th. It's also the, uh, 4 o'clock on the 12th is the deadline for the franchise tag. And on March 18th, free agency opens up. Now, I don't think uh, Steelers going to have much of a market there unless the <laughs> van is gone. And we're going to try to pick up an uh, erstwhile tight end from Journeyman.
0: Yeah, right. The Steelers have said that they will be looking for receivers or running backs and maybe tight ends in free agency. And, and who knows? I'm sure they'll sign someone, but maybe it'll be a John Bostick type of guy. Uh, you know, someone that we haven't even necessarily heard of, but who can be a, a depth type of person, which might not be that bad. I mean, I'd love it if they sign Vanette and uh, Vance, but hey, maybe there's a cheaper option. We'll, we'll see. Obviously, we all know the Steelers aren't going to be
1: big players in free agency. So let's talk about something you mentioned early in the episode, and that is the ignorant national media making commentary about the Steelers. So Matt Bowen of ESPN right, thinks him out. Jameis Winston is perfect for the Steelers as a backup quarterback. He was paid $21 million <laughs> in 2019. He threw for 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 30 interceptions. Should we get rid of the
0: obvious part first, or should we just pretend like this is reality? Let's
1: rail against this first. Matt makes me angry. Okay, okay
0: so first off, uh, yeah, here we are, coming from the top from the top rope. No, sorry, Matt, I haven't read any of Matt's other stuff. I'm sure he's a good reporter. They employ him. He's obviously done some good work. He obviously did no work when it came to this particular issue because – even if the Steelers did magically procure 20 to $30 million extra of salary cap space to sign Jameis Winston, I think there's a number of reasons why they wouldn't do it. Okay, so first off, it's, it's um, impossible for them to get Jameis Winston <laughs> enough money where he could be on their roster. It's ridiculous. So it's just annoying that people write articles like, I can see what you're thinking. Oh, Pittsburgh, they have, a, they have an old quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who's on his way out. If you're a national writer, they've all written him off. Like, they're all like There's no way he can come back. So you're thinking that Jameis Winston would be a perfect fit in the offense, which is actually 100% true. I mean, he has a lot of the same skill set that Ben has. Very big quarterback and athletic. And the big thing, it comes in handy because you're able to take these hits. You're able to um, you see the field a little bit better especially when you get laser eye surgery, which James just got because apparently he's been playing without glasses his entire career. But um, it enables you to stand in the pocket and tape sh- take shots downfield and make it through an entire season, which Ben has been great at under Bruce Arians, who James Winston just played with um, in in Tampa Bay. And we see he's the first member of the 30 and 30 club, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, which again shows you, why I wasn't exactly upset when Bruce Arians left Pittsburgh because he got ben hurt every year because his offense is basically, you're going to stand in there and you're going to get the the crap beat out of you for 20 weeks in a row. We're going to throw a lot of touchdowns and we're going to throw interceptions. But um, it is funny because from a, like a football standpoint, if we didn't have to consider reality or a salary cap whatsoever, it, it would be pretty sick to have that guy, Uh, Backup Ben, although, you know, people have different opinions. The man threw 30 interceptions in an NFL season. It's ridiculous. But then again, he threw for 5,109 yards, which only five quarterbacks ever, including Ben Roethlisberger, have ever done in an NFL season. So it's so weird. Jameis is such an odd player. His highs, his ceiling is like borderline NFL MVP. And his lows are legitimately the worst quarterback in the NFL.
1: But why cherry pick Jameis Wilson? Winston? I guess the the thing they're looking at is that there've been reports people want to know where he's going. Philip go Rivers and Tom Brady are going to go to Tampa Bay, and he's going to he's on the market. I mean, yeah, right. okay, so let's just look at every quarterback that's potentially available. And they any starting quarterback would be a great backup quarterback because the backup quarterbacks right. aren't startable by definition. We've yeah, seen exactly. that we had the experiment; it failed, and now we know if you weren't sure before you can't have a backup quarterback starting in the long term that's why they're backup quarterbacks
0: exactly so let me ask you another hypothetical and i know i don't think this is a pointless discussion because i think it just gives us an opportunity to talk more about football theory if you will we're football theory guys if a starting quarterback was available to back up ben like Case Keenum's like a non-threatening backup. So, I mean, I don't think Ben's really going to be threatened by anybody, Uh, but that's a great situation because, you know, Ben, we don't know if he'll be able to make it through a full season or not. I think we think so, but obviously he's at an advanced age. He just had a major surgery. Uh, He should, you know, with a surgery like that, you should make a full recovery and there's no risk of re-injury. But just the fact is you have a team who might be in a Super Bowl window and and an old quarterback and look at what happened in, um, New Orleans this past year, Teddy Bridgewater had to start five games. They went five and zero. I mean, even in both of the Steelers Super Bowl runs, Ben missed you know three or four games, and Charlie and other guys were able to step in there and, and win you know eighty percent of those games. But if you had someone like Jameis, who's like a borderline—I don't know if you can call him a star quarterback because <laughs> he's so bad sometimes—but that might be a little weird because it's like what I said before: Ben starts the season very slow. And people like you and I, we know the history, so we know he's going to warm his way up. But what if he throws three picks in a game and then there's constant media attention and, and Pittsburgh, the city of Pittsburgh, and people clamoring to put in Jameis Winston rather than like, it's harder to clamor for like a, a case game. Do you think that that could upset the balance of a team? I'm saying like bringing someone who's like a bona fide starter like Jameis Winston, or do you think, who cares? You need to have all hands on deck while you're in this window. I think they'd say, who cares? But I have a question for you. What? Where's Blake? Oh, Bortles? I think uh, he's probably... Um,
1: we're he's used like to not, not making the yardage in the air, so yeah. Teams yeah, he's the team's already acclimated to that. He's on the
0: Rams. I'm not sure if they actually let him throw the ball or if he's more of just a... Uh, I don't want to pick on him anymore. mighty. So I'd him. probably I pick a... $16 million up. contract before he left Jacksonville for throwing he's the ball to the
1: He's gotten it out of his system. He's
0: a cool guy. So
1: now I don't I think feel like really I'm in front of him. Right. I think I'd pick up Phil.
0: Ugh. I'd rather have Phil than, uh, than Rudolph. But we said, oh, Phil Sims. Get him back there, baby. It's <laughs> better than Rudolph. Just kidding, you guys. I'm just kidding.
1: All right. Enough of dreaming. Let's talk more interceptions. Landry Jones picked off three times again, but worse. Mm. He got injured in a game against the Houston Roughnecks in a game in which Dallas lost 27-20. to 20. He was having a pretty good game, actually. He's 25 for 38, over 200 yards. One touchdown and three picks. And let me tell you, one of those picks was tipped. The other two, they were horrific interceptions. It was hard to watch. Backup Scampy starters. But he... uh, he did get injured on a quarterback sneak where he All got right, the first down and apparently he's out for two weeks. So it's not like he tore some ACL. Damn,
0: no, that sucks. Now that's just Randy saying again, no, no, can't do a quarterback sneak or someone's going to get injured. What the hell? He got injured on a quarterback sneak. Remember the rant I went on when Patrick Mahomes got injured yeah. off the quarterback sneak, which is probably the first one we could identify in over a decade plus of NFL action. Ah, that sucks. Well, hate it. well goodness is,
1: he's coming me. back anyway we had to do a short show today uh you have a you have to get to the airport and you got an airport run cleaning up sawdust studios so hit well, us up on the good stuff yeah CPA. yeah no and we'll have we'll actually have results next week that's right can't wait hit us up on twitter at Steelers outpost shoot us an email at Steelers outpost at gmail.com thanks for listening until next week go Steelers.
0: okay bye-bye